Good morning. Welcome to Northfield Christian. Glad you chose to worship with us today. Those of you that don't know me, my name is Rick Sherman. It is my privilege to be up here sharing God's word with you today. Uh, so today it was mentioned that um, it is a third in a minister's choice series. Uh, I like to call it lucky dip. It's not the politically correct term. Uh, in the church I grew up in, truly it was lucky dip. The minister would get up behind the pulpit and he just he'd crack that Bible open and wherever he landed, that's what we were talking about. I don't have that much talent. Uh, I was actually really struggling. I haven't had a, a, a lucky dip of minister's choice for a couple few years. And uh, over the course of the last couple of years, I've had some topics in my head and some of the other ministers stole them. That's all good. Totally good. And I didn't know what I was going to do today. And I went to Don Fletcher's Sunday school class a couple few weeks ago. And um, the class was on uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And, and it hit me. And I texted him later that night, I was like, are you okay if I, you know, there's only 50 people in your class, are you okay if I roll that out for Sunday morning? So, so that's what we're going to talk today, is about Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Um, before we get to God's word, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Well, Lord, show us the beauty sorry, of this passage. But show us the depth through a faulted man. Amen. Sorry. So turn with me, if you will. Genesis chapter 22, uh, verses 1 through 14, page 16 in your pew Bible. All right, Genesis 22, I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, it follows very closely with the ESV. In Genesis 22, 1 through 14. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not let do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up 
and, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So a fairly familiar passage to most, probably heard it in Sunday school if you've been a churchgoer all your life. There is so much in this passage. There is like four sermons in here. We're going to try and just do it today in one. Depending on what translation we read, um, ESV starts with after these things. So what are these things? I simply believe it's referring to chapter 21. What happens in chapter 21 is um, Abraham has another son. His name is Ishmael. We read in the first account of chapter 21 that Isaac is born. And Ishmael is giving specifically Sarah some grief, kind of making jokes and making a mockery. And God, through Sarah, tells Abraham to send Ishmael and Hagar away. He's 14. There is a long-standing grudge resolved at the end of chapter 21. And then the NIV starts the passage with some time later. So between chapters 21 and 22, where we are today, is about 20 years. So it's always important to understand the context of Scripture. So we're about 20 years past chapter 21. And God tested Abraham. And Abraham's reply is, here I am. This indicates to me that there is a functional relationship. It's not fear, it's not trepidation, it's not, oh, it's not, what, what? This has never happened before. It has in Genesis 12. Abraham has a functional relationship with God, and God is testing him. Now, in order for this test to be real, it has to be real in order for it to be a real test. Some commentators would say, well, Abraham always knew that he would never have to kill Isaac. I push back on that and don't believe it. This was a real test. Why do I say that? Do you remember last chapter? I just talked about it. God told Abraham to send Ishmael and Hagar away. Abraham loved Ishmael. He hunted with them. He fished with them. He had campfires with them. He had 14 years together. And in 21:11, it says it greatly distressed Abraham to send away Ishmael because it concerned his son. 20 years have passed. Abraham has not seen Ishmael again. When God said in chapter 21, send Ishmael away, I'm guessing Abraham thought, I'll see him again. In fact, in recorded scripture, it is not that Abraham ever saw Ishmael again. So this test with Isaac was real because Abraham can still remember Ishmael. In verse 2, I like to reread the passage just to keep it in our head. Let's reread verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains I will tell you about. Sacrifice him? Sacrifice my son Isaac. This is an extreme request. Now, some of the neighboring religions were practicing child sacrifice. The Israelites did not. But Abraham didn't have the benefit of Leviticus and Jeremiah and 2 Kings, where child sacrifice is forbidden in Scripture. God says, sacrifice your son. This is crazy extreme of a test. And just in case there's any ambiguity, Abraham, Isaac is mentioned by name. Don't go find Ishmael. Sacrifice Isaac. Mentioned by name, the son of promise. In Genesis, or yes, 21, 
It is specifically mentioned again by name. Abraham, I will bless the nations through Isaac. And now, God, you're saying, sacrifice him? How does this work? This is completely illogical. The son you love. Isaac. It's the first time in 22 chapters of the Bible we see the word love. First time the word love is mentioned in Scripture. Right here. My first thought jumped to Jesus' baptism, where God speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, there's lots of words for love in the Bible, but it's actually, they say, is better. The same word is used in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. If you're a note taker, I believe the first notes is love. The first use of the word love in the Bible involves the love of a father to his son. The first use of the word love in the Bible involves a tremendous sacrifice. What a picture of God and Christ. We'll talk about that more later. What a picture of God and Christ. Obedience, verses 3 and 4. Let's look at those. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Early the next morning, commentators jump all over this. Some would extol Abraham as saying he didn't waste any time. He got up in early obedience. Some definite validity to that. I'm giving Abraham full credit here. Some commentators would say he had a sleepless night. What else was he, how couldn't he have had a sleepless night? Um, other commentators would say if Abraham had delayed and thought about this more, consulted Sarah perhaps, that he most likely wouldn't have gone through with that. I can totally get that as a father also. But any way you cut it, Abraham, early the next morning, without delay, sets out to obey God. On a three-day journey, on donkey with his son and two servants. And then they saw the place, Mount Moriah. And verse 5, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Again, so much in here, not trying to gloss over. Abraham here says to his servants, stay here. Me and Isaac are going to go. We will leave, and we will come back. Some commentators say this is clear evidence of Abraham's faith, that he knew he wouldn't have to kill Isaac and that God would provide. And then you have other commentators that would say, what else is Abraham going to say? Hey, you guys stay here. I'm going to go up the mountain and kill my son. I'll be back in a little bit. I don't know what's going through Abraham's head, but here we have, he is still obeying. We will worship we will return. First time word worship is used in the Bible here, again, in 22 chapters. I love to sing. I love to come to Sunday mornings. But I wonder sometimes if we think, is this our worship for the week? Is this it? An hour and 10 minutes on Sunday? I propose to you very strongly that our obedience is worship. Day in, day out, in the big and in simply the mundane. 
Our worship, day in, day out, is a worship to God. It doesn't have to be here. If your worship is exclusively here on Sunday morning or only when you're in this church building, you're not finding true worship. Worship is every day in our obedience to God. Verse 6 through 8. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together... Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Excuse me. Some depictions, uh, when you see pictures of this event, um, Isaac is pictured more of a toddler or a young boy. And some commentators would key in on this, and they say that he uses the word boy or lad. Uh, Those of you that don't know me, I have two girls. I still call them girls. They're 22 and 24. Uh, 22 and 20. I don't know what kids are. Another reason to indicate that very simply time has passed is not only the biblical evidence would indicate that some time has passed. I landed on 20 years. It's a round number. I've read some commentators that see Isaac could be as old as 37. I don't know. Some people like to pick 33. We'll get to that in a minute. But at any rate, Isaac isn't a toddler. He's carrying 60 to 100 pounds of wood. Isaac is carrying the wood. You're not strapping that on a four-year-old. The conversation... Can you imagine the conversation for three days? For three days, Abraham knows what's going to happen. Abraham knows what he's doing for three days. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know if they're talking. But another indication that Isaac is not a boy or a young boy. He puts two and two together. Hey, Dad, we've got the fire. We've got the wood He's pieced together that we're going up to sacrifice. I'm guessing Abraham told him, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Got to be one of the most gut-wrenching verses in Scripture. Could you imagine Abraham when Isaac asked him that? I don't know what he told him. But Isaac's, where's the lamb? You have the fire and the wrath. Can you imagine? And Abraham replies very simply, God will provide my son. God himself will provide. Obedience because of faith. Abraham is seeing this through. He is taking this test all the way. Obedience through faith. Abraham builds the altar. Abraham arranges the wood. Abraham bound Isaac and put him on the altar. Now let's pause here for a moment. It's probably not the best with me limping around up here a little bit, but I mentioned I have two daughters, 20 and how old are they? 20 and 22. Why in the world? Uh, now, once in a while, when, when the Y chromosome is firing in my system and then the testosterone's going pretty good, I like to mention to my daughters, now I'm talking about fisticuffs, hand-to-hand combat, and I mentioned to my daughters, I said, you know, you guys still know I can take you both. And I'm talking about a two-on-one handicap match. And I mentioned to them, I was like, you guys still know I, I can take you both. And they, of course, disagree. They think they can take me down. And it occurred to me that Beth has never weighed in on this meaningless, irrelevant conversation that will never happen. 
But tonight at Beth at dinner, I'm going to ask you who you think wins that. Where am I going with this? Abraham is 120. Isaac is 20. You're not going to convince me that there is not some willingness on Isaac's part in this. Because a 120-year-old man is not taking down a 20-year-old that wants no interest in it. Abraham raised the knife to slay his son. Abraham is taking this absolutely all the way. Isaac is tied, he's down, and Abraham raises the knife to slay his son. All in is Abraham in faith and obedience. And the angel of the Lord intervenes, the angel of Yahweh. This, most would agree, is a pre-incarnate Christ. We hear Christ's voice from heaven intervening. Abraham, don't touch the boy. Other verses we see in the Old Testament where the pre-incarnate Christ shows. And God provides a ram. In scripture, a wise woman once told me, when there's big miracles, there's usually little miracles. So I'm calling the big miracle the voice of Christ coming from heaven. And then... I'm thinking to myself, surely to goodness, Abraham and Isaac have spent three days looking for an animal to sacrifice. Abraham specifically had to have been looking every corner. God, where is the sacrifice? Where are you going to intervene? And you're telling me that neither of these gentlemen saw a ram caught in a thicket right there. Neither of them heard the ram caught in the thicket. We had a silent animal stuck. God provided miraculously for Abraham. Faith and obedience. Abraham, let's read Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. I'll give you a minute to flip there. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. We get a window here into Abraham's sight, into his mind. Abraham was ready to slay Isaac and finish the deed that God told him because he believed even if he did sacrifice Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. He wasn't expecting the bull or the ram. Folks, that is faith. Abraham saw this test all the way through because he believed, even if I carry it out, God, I don't know how you're going to solve it, but I believe you can raise Isaac from the dead if I kill him. Folks, that is faith and obedience through this trial. John 8.56 is a quizzical verse in the Bible. John 8.56, this is the words of Christ. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham saw 
through this trial, Christ. Abraham saw all the way through this trial, Christ at the end of it. What am I holding back from God? And why? Have I drawn a line in the sand? This far, God. And that's it. I'll let you read that. We see lots of parallels to Christ in this passage. This, to me, is the beauty of the passage. We talked about two of the first two, your only son, John 3, 16. We talked about the son you love, Matthew 3, 17. We see here, sacrifice your son. In Matthew 26, 39, is Jesus in the garden. Lord, please let this cup pass over me, but not my will. Your will be done. We see Mount Moriah. Anyone know where that is? Mount Moriah is within a couple hundred yards of another mountain called Golgotha, called Calvary, right in the same range. The son carries the wood. Isaac carries the wood. In John 19, 17, Jesus carries the wood. He's carrying his cross. The son submits. In Philippians 2, 8 through 10, Jesus humbled himself and obeyed to death, even death on the cross. The father used the knife. In Luke 23, 44, darkness falls on the earth. God's wrath is poured out. Christ's words on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dead for three days. From the moment Abraham got the news, did he not have to believe that Isaac was as good as dead? In Luke 24, 5, on the third day, when the ladies come to the tomb, what? Why are you looking for the dead among the living? He's alive. And salvation through the blood, Matthew 20, 28, Jesus Christ died as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ Right here in Genesis chapter 22. It is so beautiful. But why? Why obey? And why sacrifice? Why? It it comes to me. Because no testing is pleasant at the time. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. But painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's why we obey. That's why we sacrifice. I will be very candid. I've got two testing irons in the fire right now, and I want neither one of them in, but God's got them in. One of them is you're seeing me limp around. Another one I'm not going to go into too much detail on, but I have not been handling it well. I've been asking God why. Now, in and of itself, that question is perfectly legitimate, but not the way I've been doing it. Because I've been shaking my fist at God. And I'm, God, God, why? Why this again? Why now? Why are you doing this to me? Haven't we been through this before? Haven't I been through enough, God? Why? And I'm mad. I came home one day this week. I think it was Thursday from work. 
And I walked in the door, and Beth said, I'm scared of you. I was white hot. I was mad at the world. I was mad at God. I was mad at everything. I was not handling it well. I was not obeying. I was not seeing the sacrifice through. I was not like Abraham, seeing that God can do a miracle. And if he can't, I was not looking through my tests and my trials to see Christ through them. Ours is to obey through the sacrifice. Ours is to worship through the sacrifice. Not to shake my fist at God and say, why? And why me? Because then the emphasis is on me. I don't know what trials you're going through. I'm guessing they're probably bigger than mine. We've all got our issues. I don't know what they are. Could be wayward children, could be financial, could be a myriad of issues. We're all going through something. But ours is through the trial to obey and to seek God and to trust him through it. And if he's calling you to sacrifice something, an area of your life, then ours is to obey. Because why? Because he is worthy. Folks, because he is worthy. Revelation 6, 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, and people and nation. You are worthy. This is actually the conclusion of Genesis 12 that Tim read. This is the conclusion of Genesis 22, where God is blessing the earth through Abraham and Isaac. And we have people from every tribe and tongue. And it is because the lamb is worthy. Folks, he is worthy. It's worthy of our time and our energy and our money and our family and our efforts. He is absolutely worthy of it all. All All day, every day. Do we live like that? I am preaching to me. I have not been. Revelation 6, 11 and 12. Then I looked up and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Worthy is the Lamb. I've been doing some reading. I don't know, uh, and it's just occurred to me how little I've truly sacrificed and the minimal of my obedience and I've read some, if you want this slide later, I can show it to you, but I've read some stories on these men and women who have obeyed and who have made sacrifices for the lamb who is worthy. And I'm going to close with a couple thoughts on this gentleman. Anybody know this name? There's a few people, right? So this is widely known as America's first missionary, Adoniram Judson, a long time ago, uh, not too long after America was founded, actually. He was the son of a preacher, but a devout atheist. Somewhat of a miraculous conversion. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Ivy League educated. Not a lot of people were doing Ivy League education in the 1800s. He was Ivy League educated with plenty of job prospects. He decided he wanted to be a missionary to go to the Far East, to the Orient. 
He approached the uh, American Mission Board. The American Mission Board was new at the time. Again, I'm going back, this is a long time. And they said they didn't have the funds. He didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to Britain, to their mission board. And the British Mission Board said, we've got the funds, we'll send you. So interestingly enough, on a minor humor note, he came back to America, and the Americans said, no, we're not letting the Brits do that. We're sending you out as an American. (laughs) Go America. Love that. He sets out with another couple. Now, we're not going on planes. We're going on a boat across a couple oceans, like months on a boat. These things don't get there fast, right? This is a long time ago. Had to learn a language he'd never heard in his life from nothing. I mean, the way he, they learned the language was grunting and pointing and listening to words, like arduous, crazy work. The only two Caucasians, midst people, stuck out like sore thumbs to everybody. Took them six years to get their first convert. Six years to get their first convert. They eventually got the church up to about 10, and as logic would dictate, you're probably thinking, then the government got involved. And he spent two years in the worst type of prison condition you can imagine. When he got out of prison, he got home, and his wife told him that they had buried one of their children. He kept on. Some time had passed, he buried his wife. He kept on. He went through a period of depression, but he kept on. Translated that Bible, lost another child. He came home on his first mission furlough, 32 years after he started. First furlough, 32 years later, because this is what he said. Folks, that's obedience and that's sacrifice. And I'm not suggesting that we deify him, but I am suggesting to you that I believe genuinely, personally, and collectively as a church that God is calling us to a next level sacrifice. Don't take it from me. Ask God, what area in my life, Lord, am I holding back from you? What obedience do I need to further seek? How can I honor you better? Lord, show it to me. Reveal it to me. Don't take it from me. Ask him. Adoniram's life ended on a life-saving trip. He had tuberculosis, and he was coming back to America three years later to get medical attention they didn't have in Burma, and he died on the ocean. And his funeral was a big pomp and circumstance? No. They hucked him overboard because the trip was two months and they couldn't store the body. Folks, that is sacrifice. That is a man fully engaged in obedience. And why? Because the lamb is worthy. Folks, we're going to close with a song. The worship team's going to come forward. We're going to close with a song. What, is he, what do you need to sacrifice? Where have you drawn the line with God? What tests are you going through? We're all going through something. Are you going through it with obedience to Christ and surrender? Are you obeying through the trials of life? Because he held nothing back from you. Like Abraham was going to sacrifice the son he loved, what did God sacrifice for us? The son he loved. He that knew no sin became sin for us. Folks, He is worthy.